Hey, good morning, everyone. My name's Jason. I'm one of the teachers here at Alpine Church. All right, so let's get, let's get into this thing. I, I, we're kicking off a brand new series called The Pursuit. And so if Alpine is your home church or if you've been here for any amount of time, you have probably heard this phrase before, The Pursuit, right? It, it, it's kind of our ethos here at Alpine Church. You could say that it's, it's in our blood. And so maybe you've gone through The Pursuit in a small group. Maybe you've gone through it in a, a, a mentoring relationship uh, or, or, or what. But if you haven't yet, you've probably heard the term. And so you should know that the pursuit is, is something that we think is so important and so valuable for every person to go through because the reality is all of us are on a journey in life, right? Every single one of us are on a journey and, and, and it, all, it looks different for every one of us, but we're all on a journey and we're pursuing something, right? Maybe you're pursuing a, a career or, 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 or monetary security, right? Financial security. Maybe you're uh, pursuing a relationship, right? Maybe, maybe your goal is, is a family or maybe you just have some specific goal in mind, something that you're pursuing, but all of us are pursuing something and all of those things are important in their own right. But at Alpine, we, we, we believe that pursuing God is the single most important decision that you will make in your life, and, and, and so we want to help as many people as possible pursue God. And so uh, we, a lot of us have different ideas. Probably every one of us have different ideas on who God is, right? Because of uh, different things we've experienced in our upbringing, experiences throughout life, uh, different outside factors, whatever it is, we, we've had all these things pour into our mind and pour into our concept of, of who God is, and that usually traces back to religion, Okay, but, but this whole idea, this whole idea of having a relationship with God, with, with pursuing God, it's not about religion. Okay, it's not about religion. It isn't about following a, a, a list of rules or regulations. It's not about checking off boxes, right, to, to earn good grace with God, to make sure that we have God's approval. It's actually about having a personal relationship with God. It's about having a personal relationship with the God of heaven and earth, and so that's what we're going to be covering in this series. We'll we'll start with uh, how to how to begin that relationship with God, okay? How to start a relationship with God, and then we'll we'll move into to living a life that honors Him, and how we do that, how we live a life to honor God, and then and through the last uh, few lessons in this in this series, we'll talk about how that impacts everything about us, okay? That relationship with God impacts our life, it impacts our family, it impacts our relationships, it impacts everything. About us, and so today we're going to focus on 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 something that I think is is very valuable as we move into the pursuit, and that's the, this. There there are three truths for every single pursuit of God. Okay, there are three truths that every single one of us need to understand, and the first truth is this: God is for you, not against you. Okay, God is for you, not against you. Like Jesus doesn't avoid those of us who are, are broken. He doesn't avoid the sinners, which is good because all of us are broken, right? He doesn't avoid the lost. He actually seeks us out. Okay, Jesus actually seeks us out. Jesus loves us more than anything else in this world. And I think that's so important for us to know. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've been through, no matter what sin we've committed in our life, Jesus loves us regardless. Jesus is for us, not against us. And I, and I think about kind of the analogy between uh, parents and their children, right? As parents, we, we love our kids no matter what, right? No matter how much they screw up, no matter how much they, they sin, no matter how much uh, they lie, even though we never taught them how to lie, they just somehow know how to do that, right? No matter what our kids do as parents, 
we still love them. And that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't want to Homer Simpson them, right? We don't want to grab them and strangle them and, and ground them for the rest of their life and take everything away, right? It doesn't mean that we don't want to do that, but no matter what they do, we love our, our children, and that's how Jesus feels about us. But I, I think that so many people have convinced themselves that we're unlovable, right? That we're, we are too far gone for God to love us. Our, our sin in our life is, is so awful, Right? Or we picture God as kind of having these, these scales, right? where he's weighing our good deeds versus our bad deeds. And we haven't done enough good deeds to tip the scale in our favor, to earn, to earn God's favor in our life. Right? Or, or even sometimes I, I think that uh, there, are, there are people who believe that they're not religious enough for God. They haven't done enough religious things in their life. And my bet is that there's, there's people in this room right now who are here because they believe that coming to church is kind of that, that first step in, in, in cleaning up their life, right, and, and making their, right, their life right for God. But that's, that's just not true. None of those things are reality. The reality is that Jesus loves us regardless, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been. Jesus loves us regardless. And, and I love that Jesus demonstrated this throughout his life. Okay, throughout his teachings, de Jesus demonstrated just how much he loves people. He loves the broken. So if we go to Mark chapter 2, and so we're going to start out today, beginning in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And so Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so Jesus, he, he really shocked the religious world with his attitude towards the lost, towards the, the irreligious, right? Here's Jesus, and he's hanging out with these, these lowly fishermen, these despised tax collectors, right? They're, they're part of his inner circle because Jesus loves the lost. Jesus loves the broken. He loves the outcast. Jesus even confronted evil head on with love and compassion. When Jesus cast out demons, when, when Jesus touched and healed the unclean lepers, Nobody else would go near them, but Jesus showed love and compassion when he healed them. And I think the great irony of all this, of everything that's taking place right here, is the ones who looked the most religious, the religious leaders, were the ones who were furthest from God. Right? We see the Pharisees, and they're, they're pointing their, their, their self-righteous, holier-than-thou fingers at all of the scum, and yet they're the ones who are living in sin, their sin is at least as bad, if not worse, than the people that they're blaming or the people that they're judging. And here's the truth, you guys. Jesus has nothing to offer to self-righteous people. Okay, self-righteous people don't, don't even think they need a savior. They're just gonna do it all on their own. They're just gonna take care of everything themselves. Jesus has nothing to offer those people, but he's looking for anyone who has the humility to receive his grace and his mercy. And so that's, that's the question, are, are you willing to come to him? Are you willing to, to come to Jesus? In our, in our brokenness, do we recognize that we need him? 
My hope, my prayer would be that every single person in this room would say yes. And here's why. In Romans 3.23, says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone. Okay, I think we've gotten a little bit lazy with the use of this word, everyone. Right? Like, we just flippantly say things like, everyone likes watermelon. Listen, can we just be honest for a minute? Watermelon sucks. Okay, I know this is a hot take, but watermelon is like if you had Gatorade and watered it down and then put it into uh, watermelon form, like that's all it is. It is awful. And if you say you like watermelon, you're a liar, you're a sinner, and we need to pray for you. Okay, so we say things like that. Everyone loves watermelon. That's not true. But when Paul says it, when Paul says that here in Romans, everyone, he literally means everyone. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. But that's not the end of the story. Because God is for us. He's not against us. He's not avoiding us. God seeks us out. And in the very next verse, Paul gives us this this, this awful news, right? We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. But in the very next verse, he says this, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Okay, listen, wherever you are on your pursuit of God today, please understand that God wants to be found. God wants to be found. He's not hiding from us. In fact, he made the the first move when he pursued us. And so this next part is up to us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, life can feel like it's completely based off of just chance and and random circumstance, right? Have you ever felt that way where you're just kind of like, oh, I I just barely missed that opportunity. It, It just passed me by. Or maybe you know someone who always seems to be lucky, right? Or maybe you are that person and nobody likes you because everything goes your way. Right? Or maybe you're someone who has experienced tragedy in your life, and maybe you're someone who you, you feel like you've experienced more tragedy than anybody else. But what happens is, is we begin to see the effects of, of, of sin in our life. And not just your, your, your personal sin necessarily, right? but the effects of living in a completely broken and sin-filled world. And we start to see the effects of that. And some of us, we get to the point and we're like, God, where are you? Where are you? Let me just tell you guys, God is there. He's always been there. He's always been working behind the scenes. God has been a part of every situation that you have ever been involved in. And he's just been waiting to begin a relationship with you. And something that I find so amazing about that is is, is before we even thought about pursuing God, he was pursuing us. Before we even thought about pursuing God, he was pursuing us. And here's what I mean. If we, if we look at the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verse 16, it says this. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This psalm was written by King David. And if you know anything about King David, uh, his life was pretty... Amazing. 
It was filled with all kinds of different things, right? David was the youngest of eight brothers. He was this basically forgotten shepherd boy who grew up to become one of the greatest kings of all times. And throughout that, that journey, as he was growing into this, his kingship, he was, he, he, uh, along the way, he fought battles. He, he gained fame. He engaged in horrific sin. And he experienced unimaginable tragedy. And then David, he went on to, to write a lot about his life, both in lament and in thanksgiving. And so we look at this, this psalm that King David writes, and we begin to see David's heart. Because David began to understand something about God in the midst of everything that he was going through. David was learning and realizing that God had been there the whole time. Through all the ups and downs, through all the craziness of his life, God had been there the whole time. God was part of every single detail of David's life, even before he was born. And that's true for us today. And so what I think that God wants us to know is that, that, that he knows everything about us. God knows every detail about us. He knows all the pain that we've experienced, all the heartache that we've been through. He knows every joy. Right? He knows the questions we've had. He knows the fears. He knows the doubts. Our very existence was his idea. And so God knows everything about our life. Every, every moment was laid out for us before a single day had even passed, even this moment right now. God knew about this very moment. He knew every single one of you would be sitting in this room right now, and all of it is God's way to facilitate a relationship with us. Think about it. Like there's, there, it wasn't by chance that you happened to be here today. It wasn't by chance that you were sitting in this room. Okay, whether, whether it was a friend who invited you, whether it was your spouse right? She was like, stop being lazy, let's go to church. I say she because we know, right, that's how it works. Whether it was a situation at home that you just felt trapped, you felt hopeless, and, and, you, and you thought, I need God in my life. I need to go to church. Maybe you've been living in addiction. Maybe, maybe you have a sin in your life. You just feel stuck, and you need escape, and, and, and you're here because of that. Whatever it is, whatever brought you here today, God facilitated that so that you would be sitting in this room right now. God is always working on a relationship with us. God is constantly drawing us near to him. And maybe it's not even a, a bad thing. You know, I mean, maybe it wasn't that you were forced to be here. Maybe it's because of just the faithfulness that God has shown you. The faithfulness and the forgiveness, right? We've experienced that in our life, and so we can't help but feel the desire to go to church and to praise and to worship and to serve. Amen, right? Maybe that's why you're here, because of what God has already done in your life. Now, here's the thing. God himself made that first move, but it, but it comes with a promise, right? If we respond to him, we can begin a life-changing relationship with him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now, he's not saying that we have to search for God. God isn't hiding from us, that we have to go. We're not playing hide-and-seek with God, right? What that means, if we search for God wholeheartedly, means if we genuinely want to find him, he's there. If we genuinely and wholeheartedly want God to be in our life, he's right there waiting. See, God isn't some distant, impersonal God. He wants a, a personal relationship with every single one of us. And that relationship is going to look different for every single one of us. 
Because God knows us intimately. He knows every detail of our life. He knows what we need even more than we know. But he wants a personal relationship with you, and that is available to all of us. And so uh, even before we thought about pursuing God, he was pursuing us. So what do we do with that? What's, what's the next step? And Paul gives us some pretty clear instruction here in, in Romans chapter 10. Beginning in verse 9, he says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. I know so many people in this room today have done that. We've believed in our hearts. We've declared with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and our life was changed instantly. And I'm sure a few people in this room, maybe a lot of people in this room haven't done that yet, and that's okay. Because you're here, you're alive, you're breathing, there's still time. Okay, you might be sleeping, but you're here. So may today be that day. May today be the day where you decide to put your trust and your faith in Jesus. Like, let's make today that day. Come talk to me after the service. Talk, get with Pastor Joel, get with the leader here. Let's make today that day. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed for any of us. When you put your trust and your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, it changes everything about your life. It changes everything. Jesus came and he, he said that he wanted to give us a life to the full. Jesus wants to give us a life to the full. And so that pursuit of God, it, it, changes, it changes our eternity, yes, but the thing is, living a life that honors God, living a, a Christian life, isn't about the end game. It's not about just making it through this life so that we can finally reach the goal of spending eternity in heaven with God. Yes, that's an amazing promise, and yes, that's what's waiting for us. But that's not what it's all about. It starts the day you put your trust and your faith in Jesus. Immediately, everything about your life changes, and from that day forward, until we reach that end goal, until we reach that promise, it changes you. It changes the way you view life. It changes the way you view people. It changes everything about you, about your relationships. See, in Satan, because of, of sin, Satan does everything in his power to get us away from God. Satan will do everything he can to pull us away from God because he knows that when we're far away from God, that leads to death. That's true in our, in our relationships. That's true in life. Okay, that, that's true in everything we do. And when Satan can get us away from God, that leads to death. But Jesus paints a different picture. Jesus says this in John 10.10. 10. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So like I said, Jesus said, I came to give you life to the full. Satan will do everything in his power to pull us away from Jesus. Anything he can get a hold of in your life, the smallest thing he will use to dig in and pull you away from God. I believe that Jesus even, or that Satan even uses Christianity okay, to, to trick people. So many people believe that uh, Christianity is, is just this, this, this form of, uh, of, of control, right? That God has this control over us. That all we have to do is just follow all these rules. That you're not allowed to have fun as a Christian, right? It's, it's just about the rules and following God. Or your spouse comes home and like, hey, we have a party to go to this weekend. Oh, awesome. Who's the, who is it? Oh, some people from church invited us. Ah, oh, it's a church party. We can't have fun at a church party. 
Satan wants people to believe that, that Christianity is about these rules that you have to follow. So he will use anything he can to pull us away from God. But Jesus, Jesus wants to give us this this whole new kind of freedom. He wants to pull us away from sin because here's the reality. Sin is enticing, right? Sin can be fun. If it wasn't, nobody would do it. But there's an exception, or there is no exception to the rule that every single time sin leads to death. Every single time. Sin will lead to death. But Jesus says, no, I want you to experience life to the full. I want you to have this this freedom. And it's something that so many people have never experienced. Because following Jesus means that we embrace his vision of life to the full. And that impacts, yes, our eternity, but it impacts today. And so that means we get to have uh, uh, deep uh, friendships. We get to have healthy emotions. We get to have meaningful work. And yes, we get to have a joyful connection with God. And Jesus paints us this amazing picture of what that looks like to be in pursuit. See, this journey of life that all of us are on, all of us, even though we're going different places and we have all these different things that we're pursuing, every single one of us has this this void in our life. And sometimes we can't put our finger on it. We don't know what it is. And so what we do, we chase. We chase after all these different things, trying to fill that hole, trying to fill that thing that's missing in our life. But the reality is we're only going to be satisfied when we pursue God. We will only be fulfilled with Jesus in our life. And so in the pursuit, we call that being a full circle follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, and I'm sure you've, you've, you've seen this circle before, but in the, in the, in the pursuit, we have the, these three kind of phases that all of us are in. Every, every one of us has found somewhere, uh, everyone at least who has put their trust in Jesus, has found somewhere within this circle. And so we start the relationship by, by trusting in Jesus. We trust in Jesus. We trust in what he said. We trust in in who he says he is. We trust in what he's done on the cross for us. And when we do that, when we trust in Jesus, it immediately changes our standing with God. See, our relationship with God is broken because of our sin, right? Sin is just this really churchy word, right? But sin is just when we do our own thing instead of God's thing. We go our own way instead of God's way. And when we do that, that breaks our relationship with God because God is holy, God is perfect. God is set apart. He can't be in the presence of sin. And so when we have sin in our lives, that breaks our relationship. And because of what Jesus did, that relationship can be healed. And so we look at Romans 3.22. says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Again, for everyone, even watermelon lovers. Okay, it's, it's true for everyone. That's the first part. We start by trusting Jesus. The second part of this circle is we live a life that honors God. Okay, because when we put our faith in Jesus, it changes who we are. It changes everything about us. We become born again. I've heard that term before. We were born again Christians because of what Jesus is doing in our life. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, sorry, I thought I forwarded that. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has begun. Now what this doesn't mean is that all of our hardships, all of our trials, all of our pain and sorrow are going to disappear immediately. It doesn't mean that all of our sin just naturally goes away. Okay, that's not what, that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that this gives us a new desire to live a life that honors God. 
It starts to change us from the inside out. We begin to do things differently. We begin to see things differently. We begin to behave and treat people differently because of what God is doing in our life. And so that second part of the series, that's what we're going to cover in weeks seven, eight, and nine. And then finally, in the, the, the third part of that circle is that we need to step out and we need to share our faith with others. We go out and we make disciples. Because a lot of people would say, a lot of people would feel comfortable just stopping at that second phase. Right? Like, I, okay, I've trusted in Jesus and now I'm living a life that honors God. I'm living a good life. And they would say, that, that's good enough. But when we stop there, we're making it about ourselves, right? We're, 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 we're being selfish. We're saying, look at my life. Look at how good I've done. Look at how good my relationship is with God. Look at how many scriptures I have memorized. Right? So when we stop there, we're not doing enough. There's more to it, and it's not optional. It's not optional, okay? Jesus actually commanded it in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's not optional. There's more to our faith than us just coming to Christ. And that's what we're going to look at in the, in the last three weeks of the series in, in 10, 11, and 12. See, because life to the full isn't complete until we go full circle, until we actually step out and share our faith with somebody else and introduce them to God, introduce them to what God has, has done for them. And so wherever you're at on this journey, wherever you're at in your pursuit of God, whatever that, that next step is, Jesus is, is ready for you to do that. Jesus is ready for you to take that next step. And so whether that's you're just at the, at the very beginning, you haven't, you're not even sure what you think about God, you haven't yet trusted in Jesus and what he did, if you're ready to take that step, let's do it. Let's do that today. Again, come talk to me. Talk to one of the leaders. Maybe you're in that, that second phase where you're, 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 you're trying to live a life that honors God. You're just not sure what that looks like and how to do that. We have, we have a lot of resources here that can help you with that. You join a small group. Get into a, a mentoring relationship. You can serve at church. So many ways that you can, you can take that next step forward. Or, or maybe you're, you're in that last phase, right? You've done, you've done those first two things. You've trusted in Jesus. You're, you're living a God-honoring life, but you're ready to, to step out. Maybe it's out of your comfort zone, but you're ready to step out in faith and to share your faith with somebody who doesn't know God. To tell them, to help them understand that their life is valuable, that their life is worth it to share with them what Jesus did for them, how much he loves them, and what his work on the cross means in their life. And listen, it's, it's not hard to find those kind of people. Okay, it's not hard to find people who don't have God in their life. It's as easy as looking at your social media. And it's so apparent right now to look out at the world at everything that's going on and know that we need God more than ever right now. Right, we need God more than ever. God is the only thing that could possibly bring healing to our nation and to this world. And so I just want to make a special request before we wrap this up is that you would be praying for our youth. Right? Whether or not you have a student who's, who's part of Fusion, who's part of our youth ministry, I would ask that you guys would be praying for our youth. And, and, here, and here's the, the reality is that Satan is getting a hold of our youth at, at unprecedented numbers. It's mind-boggling to me to hear and see some of the things that our students are, are dealing with. And so here's why fusion is so important. I just want to plug our youth ministry again real quick. 
Big study uh, that was done a few years ago shows that, that most students start to question their faith between 6th and 8th grade. And if they're not fed, if they don't have a secure foundation in who God is, by the time they leave high school, they'll also leave their faith. And that's the lifeblood of our church, right? Our youth who are growing up. And so uh, every single one of us, is, is, again, is on some journey and some pursuit. And so my hope and my prayer is that every one of our students, that their first priority, their first pursuit would be God. That they would want to know God in their life. That they would have a foundation of who God is and, and what he's done for them. And so again, I just want to ask for your, your prayer as, as we go through this series, as we go through the pursuit and what that looks like to trust in Jesus, to live a life that honors God, and then to share their faith. Pray that our students would have boldness. All of us need it. All of us need courage. All of us need boldness to share our faith. Right? It's not an easy thing to do for all of us. And so that, that prayer for, is for all of us, but for our students specifically, that they would be willing to share their faith at their school. So wherever you're at on that journey, whatever phase you're in, wherever you find yourself, uh, we have people here, we have resources here that are, are ready to, to help you take that next step. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for being a, a, a God who is pursuing us. For being a God who, who, was, who was longing after us, God, before we even thought about pursuing you. And so, God, I, I just pray for, for anyone in this room, God, who's, who's, who's still trying to earn your love, God, who is trying to earn your favor, God, who is trying to, to live a life to impress you, God, or to, to gain your love. God, I pray that they would hear this, God, that they would know and understand that you love us regardless. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, God, you are for us. You are not against us. So God, let that sink into every one of our hearts. God, let that change who we are. And yes, God, we should look forward to eternity. We should look forward to that time when we, when we get to meet you. God, and you look down at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, every one of us should look forward to that moment. But it's not all about that, God. We have, we have work to do today. And so, God, may you put people in our lives that we, can, that we can mentor, that we can teach, God, that we can pour into. May you give us a boldness, God. May you give us wisdom that we would know how to have those conversations, God, that we would know what to do with our faith, God, that we would understand what it looks like to not live for ourselves, God, but to live for you. That we can go out and make disciples, God, that we can go out and share your love with anyone and everyone. So God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.